0: Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Summerall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. As we get started in prayer today, I want to talk to you for just a moment about what we've all been watching in the news in the West. The huge riots that are taking place, the looting that is taking place. And I don't care about the politics of it, and I don't care about the racism of it, because that's all illogical. But what I do care about is some biblical logic. The Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. A lot of these poorer people in America, remember I grew up poor, I understand these things. A lot of these poor people in America were for the first time beginning to see some hope. The economy was going up and even the lowest levels of poverty. People were beginning to make progress. People were having jobs. People were beginning to earn a decent wage. Things were were going well. And then here comes COVID-19, and America immediately went into a 30% unemployment. And these poor people, they're going, (laughs) hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, I say all of that to bring you to our own place here and our own beloved nation. For many years, we lived in poverty. And over the last few years, the economy has done so well, to the point you just walk around with tears of joy as you saw the homes and people buying their own homes and tables, not, not just with rice and salt, not just with rice and maybe a little gulai, but with tables spread with food and People eating well and having good jobs and now COVID-19. I have no idea what our unemployment rate is right now. I have no idea what the economy is like. Our press doesn't carry it that much. Thank God we're beginning to come out now. But I want you to put yourself in the place of a lot of people who are struggling. People who had just begun begun to see food on their tables, people who were just beginning to to enjoy life a little bit, and life was not such a horrible struggle. And now they've lost their jobs, no work, no pay. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. What you saw happening in Boston and Philadelphia, and New York and New Jersey and Detroit and Minnesota, LA, California, these are places full of our cababai, and my, my email's been full. What you saw happen there could very easily happen here. And and we need to earnestly pray that this economy turns around very quickly and people get back to work very quickly, because you know th- there'll be lots of excuses for it. But the bottom line, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When people have had hope, and then it's just ripped away from them, it makes the heart sick. I mean, the the, the heart is mogulo. There is no logic to be reasoned with. Father, we bring to you right now. We bring to you all of our people in the States, because, Lord, we know that when these riots happen, our Asian people are always stuck in the middle and suffer the most. Father, let there be peace there. Let there be logic. Let hearts calm down. Let hearts heal. And, Father, we pray especially for our own land. You said that we are to seek the peace of the city in which we dwell because as it prospers, so we too prosper. We ask for peace in our city. Father, for those who have lost their hope, Father, you know the hot spots, you know the flash points downtown. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that, that you would just move into those situations and let hope begin to flow back into the hearts of those people. Just supernaturally, Lord, let hope begin to flow back into the hearts of those people. Let work begin to come. Let money begin to flow. They can feed their children and not listen to their cries at night. Father, in Jesus' name, prosper our land. And Father, especially for food. We can do without the new cars and the fancy gadgets, Lord. But Father, food on our tables. And food in abundance that every child goes to bed with a full belly. Lord, we pray for the hardest parts of the city. Father, in the name of Jesus, let there be food, and inexpensive food, and money to buy the food. And Father, we pray for our whole land right now. Lord, we need a harvest like we have never seen before. A harvest of vegetables, a harvest of rice, a harvest of fish a harvest from our our fish ponds a harvest from our piggeries and our chicken farms father let there be an abundance of food just begin to flood into all of the hot spots across the country into the hot spots of every city across the land into the hot spots where where hope deferred is making hearts sick let there be an abundance of food begin to be available lord we thank you for it and lord i pray for all of our people Transportation is still so hard right now. Lord, in Jesus' name, give our government officials wisdom and how to open up more transportation. Father, traffic is the return, but oh my goodness, Lord, the lack of public transportation. Lord, in Jesus' name, give our government officials wisdom. We thank you for it, Father. Lord, I pray for all of our people today. Lord, with all the things we see, with all the words we hear from relatives all over the world, Father, let peace flow into the hearts of your people today. Let peace flow into their hearts in Jesus' name. Just a peace that passes all understanding. Take all the conflict out of their hearts, Lord, and just let there be peace. And fill their hearts with joy, Lord. Touch them by the power of the Holy Ghost, that they overflow in hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship. i yeah. We keep reading Psalms 91. The last few weeks, we started having fun with some of our exemplars, some of our young people, and some of our kids. Now, this morning, this is not a kid anymore. I used to call her Little Nikki, but now she's getting to be Big Nikki. problem with these kids is they grow up into young people. Nikki.
1: Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the mighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that starts in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes in your day. A thousand may fall to your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. For you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague will come near you then, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Under they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him, I'll protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble, I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91.
0: Amen. Let me be very clear about our Saturday and Sunday morning services in the parking lot at South Campus. Um, You can't get out of your car, okay? So... If you're wanting to be a part of this, it'll be about a one-hour service because you can't get out of your car. Did I say you can't get out of your car? Did I say you can't get out of your car, okay? Use the CR before you leave home. It'll be a one-hour service. We'll keep it short. But this is a service where we're not going to break any laws. We've talked to the Las City Administrator. We've talked to our local barangay official. You may drive into the parking lot. We can only take about 200 cars at a time uh you'll drive into the parking lot you'll tune into an fm station that we'll have on a sign there for you we have a small fm transmitter that will just reach that little parking lot area and i'll be standing on the go truck platform and i'll be preaching and we'll be having worship and you'll be sitting in your car now young people this is like the old drive-in movies from the 1960s so If you wonder where I got the idea, it's the old drive-in movies from the 1960s. So, Pastor Summerall, you're sounding like ancient of days. Well, sometimes you can get some good ideas from the past. So if you want to be a part of this, you need to call your district pastor, you need to call your campus pastor, and we will reserve slots, okay? Because we cannot overcrowd the lot. The cars have to be parked properly. Uh, We'll do as many services as we need to, so there's not a problem with, uh, you know, availability. We're gonna start Sunday morning at 730 and a Saturday morning at 730 this week uh, when those two are full we'll start adding another one on Sunday we'll start adding another one on Saturday we'll do whatever we need to do I don't mind hard work and I don't mind preaching in the heat I might wear a hat to cover my bald head and you'll enjoy my Israel hat but this is we have to do something where we don't violate any laws and we stick within some pretty clear guidelines all right so But on drive-in service, you must stay in your cars. Say, Pastor, the offering, we will have someone bring around offering baskets and bring around communion to you. Uh, There'll be a total of 10 of us taking care of everything. So you might see me helping direct traffic, and then you'll see me helping pass out communion, and you'll see me helping take the offering, because there'll only be 10 of us, because that's the limit. So 10 of us will be doing everything. But you have to stay in your cars. All right, so hopefully we'll get to see you Saturday or Sunday. No traffic on Saturday and Sunday mornings. So even those of you from, you know, North Campus, you can come down very easily. Main Campus, East Campus. And this is, I know this is not perfect. We'll have a thing set up where you can flash here, put on your flashes, and we'll come by and lay hands on your car and pray for the family if you want special prayer. It's going to be a little different, but it's a beginning. Amen. Amen. Alright, we've got a wonderful testimony for you now.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Safira Malaon from COP Olongapo. So I just want to share na last May 19 is pinag-report na ulit ako ng boss ko sa trabaho. And during that time, I am really blessed and thankful kay Lord kasi nga sa dami ng mga gustong pumasok sa company namin is isa ko sa mga napili para magtrabaho ulit. And, the day after that, is pinatawag naman ako sa HR namin. So, akala ko, meron lang ako mga requirements na kailangan i-comply since nagbabalik trabaho nga. But, upon arriving there, they gave me a letter. And, that letter states that I am being promoted from management trainee to junior project engineer. Kaya naman, sobrang grateful ako kay Lord kasi nga, sabi ko, even in the midst of this pandemic, we're in ang daming company na nagsasara, and marami pa rin workers ang hindi nakakabalik sa trabaho, is binigyan ako ni Lord ng opportunity para magtrabaho ulit, and may bonus pa, meron pang promotion. Truly, even in times of crisis, God is always in control. And let me share to you one of my favorite life verses. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 13, it says there, that the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom.
0: Amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 14 today. This is the after effects of the day of Pentecost. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Now, great principles of leadership. Peter did not stand up alone, and the others just kind of hide in the crowd. These men were done hiding. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they were filled with boldness. There's no more hiding for fear of the Jews. They took a stand publicly. And they took a stand together publicly. If leadership does not stand together, it does not stand Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now let's let's stop here and notice. A truth I try to always teach young pastors. Don't preach things people aren't asking about. You know, the Truth used to sing a song when I was a young man about churches answering questions that nobody's asking. And you know what? That that song from Roger Breeland really got in my heart. And I've always tried to answer the questions that people are asking. Like right now in coronavirus, COVID-19, right now in the middle of all this, this, this is not the time to be talking about superfluous issues. There's a lot of beautiful theology we could be teaching every night. But you notice every night I'm talking to you about where you're living right now. See, good ministry focuses on where people are at right now. And Peter had been trained by the best. Peter had been trained by Jesus. So he answers their questions. He answers their criticisms. And notice, he answers their questions and their criticisms from the Word. He said, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. He answers them from the Word. In the last days, and he quotes Joel, in the last days, these last days have been going since Jesus, in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters, now keep noticing male and female all the way through this passage, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. that's That's referring to the second coming of Jesus, not the rapture. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, let me just back up the bus here for a moment. Sons and daughters prophesy. Male servants and female servants, Holy Spirit poured out, and they prophesy. Now, for all those who say women should be silent in the church and women should not be leaders, excuse me, the Holy Spirit was poured out on men and women, not just on men. If God only wanted the men to be leaders, if God only wanted the men to speak in public, he would have only poured out the Holy Ghost on men. But he poured out the Holy Ghost on men and women. I, I just do not understand this, these churches that want to just remove women from all ministry and remove women from leadership and women should be silent. and yeah, I, I, don't, I don't understand why women would put up with that. I just, I, I just don't get it. The Holy Spirit was poured out on men and women. Men and women will prophesy. But now notice the fruit of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is never to be about Pentecostal or charismatic circuses or carnivals. It's it's not about just being a show. It's all about salvation. The, the, The fruit of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit Is souls. And notice, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. doesn't matter who they are. And sometimes you don't like the people that are getting saved because they don't dress appropriately for church. Who cares? God will change them. You've got to understand it doesn't matter who somebody is. They could be the nastiest human being in the world that you have hated since elementary school but they shall be saved, if they shall call upon the name of the Lord. Such were all of us before we got saved. Verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, and mighty in works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, not some other Jesus, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So everything that has happened here was God's definite plan. It wasn't God's maybe plan. It wasn't God's conditional plan. It was God's definite plan. Now you're going to have to understand, there are promises of God that are conditional. There are promises of God that need obedience. There are promises of God that need faith. But then there are promises of God. doesn't matter what any human does, they're going to happen anyway. This is one of them. This was a definite plan of the Lord. It's like a man was telling me one day, he said, you know, I don't believe in the rapture. I said, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's going to happen to you. If you're a born-again believer, the rapture is going to happen to you. It's one of those things that doesn't take faith. You're going to go. These are some of the definite plans of God. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. He said, now, yes, you didn't get your hands bloody. You wouldn't even go into Pilate's house. But you killed him by the hands of lawless men. You know, one of the things you learn about religion, religion doesn't get its hands dirty. And I, I just despise that. You know, at some point you have to learn if you're going to be a leader, you've got to get your hands dirty. You, you've got to do what needs to be done. But religion doesn't do that. There's always plausible deniability. Religion just, oh. And, and you, you watch religious leaders in the world today, and, and it's the same spirit. They, they do horrible things, but they do it by the hands of other men's. But on puppet masters, he said, but you did it. <laughs> God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Oh, I like that. It was not possible for death hold Jesus. Did you get that? It was not possible. There are some things that are not possible. say, well, all things are possible with God. Yeah, but there are some things that are not possible. It is not possible for death to hold Jesus. (laughs) I like it. Why? Because he's the author of life. How many times have I been teaching you lately that anything that's got life in it can't be stopped? God's plan for your life has life in it. God's plan for Jesus had life in it. Jesus is the author of life. Death could not hold him down. It is not possible for death to hold Jesus. He's the author of life, the Bible says. For David says, oh, I'm going to get preaching. and I This is devotion, but this is, this, is just, this is just such good stuff. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. Wow. Always. Have you ever just sat and meditated on that verse for a moment? David says, I saw the Lord always before me. Oh, what a word, always. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Wow. He's speaking of Messiah. I shall not be shaken. When God is in your life, you shall not be shaken. Oh, get a hold of that. This is spoken concerning Messiah, yes, but as a promise for you also. When God is at your right hand, you will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced and my flesh will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades. You're not letting me go there. Let your holy, or let your Holy One see corruption. My body is not going to rot. The body of Jesus did not decay. There was never a stink in Jesus' body. This is not like Lazarus' body. Lord, he stinketh. No. His body did not see corruption. He's the author of life. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. There's a great verse in. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. God's presence flows, you get filled with gladness. Verse 29, brothers, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. He said, this wasn't about David. Being therefore a prophet, so King David was a prophet. Wow, got to get a hold of that now. King David is considered a prophet. And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. So because he's a prophet, and because of the promise that God had made to him, he could foresee things. That he would not abandon, be abandoned Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, <laughs> got to remember where he is now. Jesus is no longer on the cross. Jesus is no longer in the tomb. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Remember the progressive revelation of the Messiah. There are some Christians that are parked at the cross. There are some Christians that are parked at the tomb. There are some Christians that are parked at the baby Jesus, at the Incarnation. You need to get parked where he is today. He is at the right hand of the Father. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So, the Father made the promise to Jesus. He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Now notice, the Holy Spirit was promised to Jesus. Jesus then poured out the Holy Spirit on us. The source of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not a person. The source of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is Jesus. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That's one of those verses Jesus messed everybody up with. How could David say and call Messiah Lord? Verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And that's called getting in people's face. No sweet talk, no trying to be popular, no fear. You crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to their heart. This is what good preaching does good preaching cuts open the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. All right, let's stop right there. Many of you during this coronavirus have gotten born again, or you've come back to Christ. How you do that? You repent, and as soon as we can get back in church, you need to get water baptized. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the gift of Pentecost. For the promise is for you, that's the people right there. For your children, that's the people that would be born to these people. And for all who are afar off, that's for you and I even today. The the same prayer that Jesus prayed for all who would believe through their ministry in John 17, he said, hey, listen, this promise is not just for, for you. This promise is for the next generation, and this promise is for all those who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So when Baptist secessionist theology teaches you that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for the day, They're not dealing with some verses like this one. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. Now notice, this was a long sermon, many other words. He exhorted them. He bore witness to them. But listen to one of his main themes, save yourself from this crooked generation. He did not say engage the generation. He did not say, be a part of the generation. He did not say, engage the culture. He said, save yourself from this crooked generation. This crooked, corrupt generation that we live in. You don't want to engage it. You don't want to be popular with it. You want to be saved from it. So those who received his word were baptized. Okay, They received the preaching of the word and were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls in one day. 3,000 people were added to the church in Jerusalem. That's an incredible passage. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some time in worship. I'm spending too much time preaching today, but that is such a good passage.
3: Whenever I consider just where God brought me from Life of them I He raised me. me and He kept me
0: Amen. If you wonder about what I enjoy so much about pastoring, it's looking at people like Junji, who was just leading there. He was a young person in the church when Sister Bev and I first became your pastors over 40 years ago to watch him get married, have kids. But you know what? He's he's never stopped his ministry. In 40 years, he and his wife Esther have stayed involved every day of their life. They're singing in the choirs. They're singing in the groups. For 40 years. That kind of faithfulness is amazing. Bible says with the faithful, God shows himself faithful. And there's a faithful family. All right, we want to pick up today in 1 Kings chapter 9. We've seen the dedication now of the temple. Chapter 9, verse 1. As soon as Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord, the king's house, and all that Solomon desired to build. The Lord appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. So here is a record of the second encounter that Saul had with God. Now, people always say, what was the big difference between Saul and David? Well, we just read you a verse a few minutes ago about how David prophesied the Lord was with him always. Solomon, we have a story of two great encounters. And I always pause on these passages because there are too many Pentecostal charismatic Christians. You know the reality. You know the power of the Holy Spirit. You know the presence of God. But too often, you'll settle for one or two great encounters with God in a lifetime. And you don't understand this is a personal relationship. This is a daily relationship. If you want how Solomon went bad, well, Solomon went bad because... He had a couple of great encounters. David made a mistake in his life. David's sin was an aberration, not a lifestyle, because he was a man who lived with God. Verse 3, And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house that you have built by putting my name there forever. Notice the word forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. You wonder why I like to go and pray at the Western Wall? Because God said his eyes and his heart would be there for all time. You wonder why when we're in Jerusalem, our members go down to the Western Wall and pray every night? First of all, it's very beautiful. I mean, at night, it is so beautiful with the lights and everything but they also recognize God's eyes and God's heart will be there for all time. Yes, we know that God is with us everywhere. Please, yes. But there are. this is a place that God said is different. As for you, if you will walk before me as your David father walked, here's a conditional promise, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and rules, then, so if then, there's a conditional promise, Then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then, all right, now here's another if and then. If and then promises positive, if and then promises negative. Then, I will cut off Israel for the land that I have given them. So, okay. One of the truths that you wish wasn't there in the Bible is a leader's life affects the people. (laughs) You got to get a hold of that one, beloved. A leader's life affects the people. King, if you're not going to live right, then I will cut off Israel, the people, from the land that I have given them. And the house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. Now, and this house will become a heap of ruins. Now, that's what happened. Solomon's temple was completely destroyed. And everyone passing by will be astonished and will hiss. And they will say, why has the Lord done this to the land and to his house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. You know, there are cause and effects spiritually, brothers and sisters. Verse 10, at the end of 20 years in which Solomon built the two houses, so it took him 20 years to build the house of God and the palace, the house of the Lord and the king's house. And Hiram, king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress timber and gold as much as he desired. And Solomon gave to Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. Now, why would you give the land that God promised to the people of Israel? Now, now here, here you're beginning to see Solomon make some bad choices. He gives up 20 cities, he gives away land that God gave to the people, he gives away the people's inheritance. This land belonged to the people. God had given it to the tribes. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, they did not please him. Therefore he said, what kind of cities are these that you have given given them to me, my brother? So they called the land of Kabul to this day. Kabul literally means worthless. So they are called the land of worthless to this day. And Hiram sent to the king 120 talents of gold. Now, I wonder, he gets insulted. Eh, that could have messed up a relationship. He sends 120 talents of gold to make up for it. Verse 19. And this is the account of the forced labor the king Solomon drafted to build the house of the Lord, and his own house, and the Milo and the wall of Jerusalem, and Hazor, and Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had gone up and captured Gezer and burned it with fire, and he killed the Canaanites who lived in the city and had given it as a dowry to his daughter, Solomon's wife. So Solomon rebuilt Gezer, lower at Beth-horam, and the Baal and Tamar in the wilderness, in the land of Judah, and all the store cities that Solomon had, and the cities for his chariots, and the cities for his horsemen, and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem, in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. All the people who were left of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, who were not of the people of Israel, their descendants who were left after them in the land, whom the people of Israel were unable to devote to destruction, these Solomon drafted as slaves, and so they are to this day. But of the people of Israel, Solomon made no slaves. They were soldiers, they were his officials, his commanders, his captains, his chariot commanders, and his horsemen. These were the chief officers who were over Solomon's works, 550 who had charge of the people who carried on the work. But Pharaoh's daughter went up from the city of David to her own house that Solomon had built for her. Then he built the Melo. Three times a year, Solomon used to offer burnt offerings and peace offerings on the altar that he built to the Lord, making offerings with it before the Lord. So he finished the house. King Solomon built a fleet of ships, at ezean which is near Enoth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent with the fleet his servants, seamen, who were familiar with the sea, together with the servants of Solomon. And they went to Ophir and brought back from there gold 420 sal- talents, and they brought it to King Solomon. How much is that? That's 16 tons of gold. In today's terms, about $736 million of gold. Chapter 10, verse 1. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices, with very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. And there was nothing hidden from the king he could not explain to her. Well, that's wise. I mean, young people walk up and ask me questions all the time, and I have no idea how to answer them. And when the Queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his servants, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered to the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came, and my own eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpass the report that I have heard. Now You know what? That's a good way to live. Your wisdom and your prosperity surpass the report that I have heard. Um, People should never know everything about you. Always under... Advertise and overperform. <laughs> Meditate on that one for a while. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king. He said, Hey, God must have loved these people because look at what your leadership has done for these people. Look at the prosperity that you have brought to these people, that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold. Okay, that's um, 9,000 pounds of gold. That's uh, about 200 million U.S. dollars of gold. That's a gift. And a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as those that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought from Ophir a very large, a very great amount of almug wood. It's extremely hard wood and precious stones. And the king made the almug wood supports for the house of God and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such Almogwood has come or be seen to this day. And the king and King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with all her servants. Now notice, the giving wasn't one way with the king. The giving was two way. She gave to the king and the king gave to her. Now there's a little thing that you learn in life. When people give you gifts, give them gifts in return. (laughs) something to think about. Verse 14, now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. That's 25 tons of gold. That's 1.15 billion U.S. dollars in one year besides that which came from the explorers and from the businesses of the merchants and from all the kings of the West and the governors of the land. King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold went into each shield, and he made 300 shields of beaten gold, three minas of gold went into each shield, and the king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. The king had six steps, and at the back of the throne was a calf's head. Now, I put a question mark. Why would you put a calf's head on the back of the throne? I mean, when you think of the golden calf of Aaron, when you think later of the the two golden calves of Jeroboam, you know, what is this thing, okay? do we already begin to see the effect of idolatry in Solomon's life? I have a question mark there. And at the back of his throne was a calf's head. Don't get it. And on each side of the seat were armrests, and two lions standing beside the armrests. Well, we get the lions, the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is a biblically symbolic thing. While twelve lions stood there, one on each of the step of the six steps, and the like of it has never been made in any kingdom. And King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. None were of silver. Silver was not considered as anything in the days of Solomon. Now, can you imagine? Silver wasn't considered anything? Barang Basura? That is how wealthy the entire economy had become. In Solomon's life, the entire prosperity of a nation rose. It's it's, it's an amazing story, an amazing story. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the fleet of the ships of Tarshish used to come bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Thus Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. No wonder he cornered the market on all the the princesses. He excelled everybody in riches and wisdom. And the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God put in his mind. Now notice, where did wisdom come from? God put in his mind. God put in his mind. God put in his mind. Every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold garments myrrh spices horses and mules so much year by year and Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen now remember Deuteronomy 17:60 kings were not to gather horses he had 1400 chariots and 12000 horsemen which he stationed in the chariot cities at which king with the king in Jerusalem and the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore of the Shephelah. And Solomon's import of horses was from Egypt and Ku. and the king's traders received them from Ku at a price. A chariot would be imported from Egypt for six hundred shekels of silver, and a horse for a hundred and fifty. So through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now, we stopped there today, but I want you to notice Solomon was an arms dealer. He traded in horses and chariots, the weapons of war. Now, again, we, we begin to see Solomon had begun to stray in his heart from God. Already at this stage, he's got a calf's head carved into the back of his throne. Now notice, carved into the back, at the back of the throat. Not where anybody else can see it. Carved in the back of his throat, where people could not see it. Notice, he's trading in arms. He's gathering wealth by selling weapons of war. We begin to see some cracks in Solomon's spiritual life. And some things are going bad that will go from bad to worse and then get better at the end. But I, I would challenge you, sometimes when you look at your life and you see yourself do something, eh, that's not that doesn't belong in my life. That calf's head doesn't belong on the back of my throne. I, I shouldn't be dealing with weapons of war. When you begin to see yourself do things and you know they're not right, please stop. Because if you don't stop, It gets worse. All right. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.